0: you're listening to the 123 show with me Noreen Mayer on this Friday afternoon now let's turn to our very first guest and topic of today in the next 15 minutes or so we'll be chatting with Rodney Cottier, who is the head of drama at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art also known as Lambda and he's here in Hong Kong as a guest director for Three Queens which is the latest production by the absolutely fabulous Theatre Connection and the actors from the show are from the Bravo Hong Kong Youth Theatre Award Scheme so Rodney welcome on the program thank Thank you you so much thank
1: you very much
0: we are also on facebook live as well noreen Mir on rthk radio 3 is the page to go to if you have any comments or any questions feel free to join us there as well so before the program i was sort of asking you are you sort of stuck in hong kong have you come here willingly
1: (laughs) (laughs) i love it yes i have definitely come here willingly um yeah Uh, Just to explain what the usual procedure has been, because we've had this relationship with um, Aftec for a number of years, where what happens is we send from London to Hong Kong, a couple of our tutors, one doing physical theatre with Cantonese speakers and another one dealing with the English speakers, possibly doing uh, contemporary theatre or indeed classical theatre. And they'd come over for a week at the end of August and then follow up with another week at the end of March, beginning of April, at which point there would be auditions to select a group of students to then come to London, normally about 10 Cantonese speakers to do physical theatre and another 10 to do uh, classical English text. And so this has happened uh, three times and then on the fourth time, of course, Covid struck. So they weren't able to come over. And what we came up with was an idea that I would come over here instead. And so what we've done is, because I'm also, apart from a director of um, Shakespeare, Jacobean, uh, classical theatre, uh, m- another of my specialist areas is stage combat. and. Um, in my time at Lambda, I've, I've obviously, I've choreographed a lot of uh, stage combat, and I was also asked by Mark Rylance to join him at Shakespeare's Globe, where I choreographed, amongst other things, his Hamlet, and then I did Romeo and Juliet and so on. So it means that I was able, for the first two weeks, to teach stage combat to everybody. Um, obviously, with social distancing, there were certain parts of the uh, stage combat uh, repertoire that um, one couldn't do, but nevertheless, I was able to do the quarter staff, where you're fighting with six-foot poles, so that keeps you at distance. And then I was able to jump forward in the end after looking at briefly looking at some rapier and dagger. I was able to jump forward to the 18th century. Again, that is an out-of-distance technique that we were able to do, and it's very complex. So... After that, then we have settled down to looking at Three Queens. And by great good fortune, um, we were able to get the help of an American actress and voice teacher, very experienced, Heather Grayson. And Heather is based in Hong Kong. So Heather and I, between us, are now rehearsing and we're getting towards opening three queens
0: the stars uh, have aligned for for this to happen yes
1: yes it it it, it it's been um, it's been uh, a very very Successful collaboration, and it, it's it's coming it's coming together very nicely.
0: And for our listeners, um, you can also uh, watch Three Queen, which is going to be on from the fourth all the way to the sixth of December at the Saiwan Wan Ho Civic Centre Theatre, and you can still get tickets now. Now, Rodney, it's such a great pleasure that you're here with us this afternoon. Tell us a little bit more about your involvement with Three Queens. Did you pick the play, and yes, I did. know you've had to adapt it yeah. um, to, to suit to, to suit Hong Kong. Really, talk us through that process. Yeah.
1: Um, Now, I first did an adaptation. Uh, It wasn't called Three Queens then. I called it Margaret of Anjou, and I'll explain why in a minute. Um, And what it does is it takes the life story of, in that case, it was Margaret of Anjou, which is the largest female role in the whole of Shakespeare. She goes through four plays. And so I took... King Henry VI Part I, Henry VI Part II, Henry VI Part Three, and King Richard III and squash them all into one three-and-a-half-hour project. Um, and I did that first in uh, Connecticut and then I did it in London. Um, and I've I've adjusted it over the years because, as I say, I started doing this in the 80s. And the the reason I did it is because in those plays there are five major female roles and so it means or it meant then certainly that um, you could really make sure that everybody got a good deal obviously i split the roles i mean for example if i was doing hamlet today i wouldn't Make one person play Hamlet. I think I'd make sure that lots of people had a go, um, so that everybody got an experience. Um, now um, Fiona Shaw, uh, if you like, broke one glass ceiling when the National Theatre many years ago when she played Richard the Second. So please don't think that therefore. Um, male roles like richard iii can be played only by males far from it that's the whole joy of theater is anybody can play anything
0: yeah what was the sort of challenge in this particular adaptation for three queens
1: okay um well again what i did was i auditioned everybody and i was quite determined that everybody should have a go and so Then, having looked at the numbers I had, I thought, right, okay, so I will now edit this down.
0: How many actors do you have in total? I've got 16.
1: Wow. It's great. So uh, I've edited it in such a way, trying to keep the narrative going so that the story can be told, because that's obviously the important thing, but making sure that everybody gets a good moment and I think I've done quite well with that one.
0: It sounds really challenging to adapt a play and for the main role to be played by different actors. Yes,
1: I mean, so I've got three people playing Queen Margaret, and I've got three actors playing Richard, um who eventually becomes Richard III, um, and one of those is going to be performing in Cantonese, the second Richard, and...
0: In uh, Cantonese? Absolutely. I assumed it was in English? No, no, oh. no,
1: no, no, we're going to do both! Wow! Yes, and, um, uh, well, the, the title role of the first three plays is King Henry VI. And King Henry the VI is going to be played in Cantonese. So, uh, and some of the actors will play one scene in English and then they'll jump and they'll play the next scene in Cantonese. We're going to find out what happens.
0: This must be the first time you've had a Chinese sort of Richard III. Though. Yeah, it's, tr- it's terrific. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yes. Talk us through, I mean, with with the pandemic, I mean, this year has sort of been really unprecedented. What was it like in terms of rehearsal time, in terms of, you know, blocking? Did you have to also adhere to some sort of social distancing rules? Uh, that must be quite tricky as well. Well,
1: I mean, we, we've been rather used to it in, in London. Of course. Because yeah. uh, we have to keep a two metre social distance there, and yours is slightly less.
0: Because in Hong Kong, we're slightly more fortunate. Yes, yes. you
1: certainly are. You seem to have got this under much better control S- than we of have people. in Europe. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, I had a rigorous two week quarantine period when I arrived. But. Uh, yes i mean you only have to you only have to get on the tube to realize i mean the tube is packed here the streets are packed everybody is wearing masks yes. all the time even if you're on a beach you're wearing a mask there is this extraordinary discipline and so we're able to rehearse quite honestly we rehearse as normal
0: yeah that's
1: uh, i mean the first part obviously is the text work and then you get up and you put it on its feet Um, and uh, we're still wearing masks at the moment on stage, though there may come a moment, we'll find out, when, for the actual performances themselves, the masks are going to be allowed to come off. Um, Obviously, you have to keep social distance um, as much as you can, and um, there may well be some battles. I'm going to try to choreograph some tomorrow. There'll be short battles, and so when the actor's doing that, they'll be wearing these... um, they're like a balaclava or a ski mask or something so that they will actually be masked whilst they're fighting. <laughs>
0: um, as, as a director, you have to be quite flexible in terms of um, the image you have in your mind in terms of the people's ability to fight to what they can actually do. Mm. How do you strike that balance between what you want them to do um, to, to what they can do and, and then finally <laughs> producing something that uh, looks real? Um. Well, I mean,
1: I've done these plays many, many times. Um, people go, oh, God, don't you get bored with doing that play? And I'm going, no, you don't, because every time you're working with a new group of people who are going to bring something new to the table...
0: That's such a great way to look at everybody it, Everybody
1: yes. is going to make discoveries. I certainly am, as I, as, as I go through the, the uh, story. I mean, I I'm certainly made some discoveries in yesterday's rehearsal. It was great. I thought, oh, oh I hadn't seen it like that before. Yes, well... Actually, that works. Um, so, yes, and working with young people who are who are, have got these wonderful imaginations and the, the way they will approach something fresh. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want, because in the end you're telling a story, if you like, for the first time, one hopes, to these people who are going to be in the
0: audience. Exactly, and in terms of your working style, are you, are you sort of the director sort of who leads or you sort of um, take into consideration their opinion and it's more like an ensemble? It theater? has to be an
1: ensemble, yes. Yes. Um, I mean I will try to give them some help certainly when we're looking at the text and saying have you considered da, 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 look at the rhythm here and how it changes and what do you feel that might do and then of course they've got to get up and explore it um, and when they Start. They're going. Oh, and they make their discoveries. And sometimes they make discoveries that you weren't expecting, which is also wonderful.
0: Absolutely. Um, like a sixteen is a big is a big group to be working. Well, it's with. no. Um, well, I suppose you've worked with even. No, I numbers. mean l-
1: l- let's just go back to. I mean, okay, this is this is up for debate, but um, the size of shakespeare's company in his early plays seems to have been 14. the globe would argue maybe it was 15 later on Um, and so there you have a group of 15 actors putting on a piece of work which may have as many as 60 characters which means therefore you as an actor you had to be prepared during the course of telling this story, whatever story it may have been, Henry V, that you'd be playing six, seven, maybe eight characters. Um, And that was an ensemble of 14, 15. Go back to the ancient Greek theatre. The size of Euripides' Greek chorus was 15, all working together as an ensemble. And so... um, the fact that I'm working here with an ensemble of 16 is just about right. It's the
0: perfect size. Yes, it is. Absolutely.
1: And um, certainly, I mean, the way we're doing it, we're keeping it as simple as we can in order to tell the story. The story is the conflict between the House of Lancaster, the Red Rose of Lancaster, and the House of York, the White Rose of York. And that became called later the Wars of the Roses. And so it's the conflict between the White and the Red. So, therefore, how are you going to do it? Right, so you're going to have a red sash on if you're the playing red. Lancastrian, you're going to have a white sash if you're playing The House of York, you'll have no sash at all and you'll have something black if you're in deepest mourning, and there are quite a few occasions for that, um, and so the actors, every actor has got a red sash, a white sash... They've got a sword, a dagger, they've got a stick, um, and they've got a veil, because they may be in mourning, and so they're going to be chopping and changing, as they've discovered. A lot of them are on stage nearly all the time, changing as they change sides as as they tell the story.
0: That's a really creative way to do it because this way they can change sides and they're all prepared to yeah. play different characters.
1: Yeah, well, we're going fi- to we're to <laughs> find out. We're going to do a run-through. Well, they don't know that, but they probably do know that I'm <laughs> saying it here. Um, we're going to attempt a to run-through on Saturday night and that's when we'll find out about, oh, gosh, I'm <laughs> fighting and I'm wearing the wrong colour and I'm actually
0: <laughs> the truth is, no one will know if 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 the characters have that purpose and motivation. The audience might not even might be able to trick the audience.
1: Well, I don't. Well, I mean, you know, I'd like them to be wearing the right colour. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, we're into a, 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 yes, a form of civil war that perhaps wasn't intended. <laughs>
0: I'd like to also turn our attention uh, to the Bravo Hong Kong Youth Theatre Award Scheme. Mm. You mentioned it a bit earlier, Rodney. This is a remarkable sort of exchange that's been happening. Tell us about this, and what's the sort of age uh, for the for the youth theatre?
1: Well, they, they do vary. I mean, we've had some as young as 14, but most of them I would say 16, 17. Um, and at the moment, I've got people... Who've been in Bravo One, Bravo Two, Bravo Three, and Bravo Four. So there, are, there are the some in this company. Actors. There are some who, yes, indeed, I've got some of those as well. Brilliant. But I mean, so there are some who've actually already been to London. They're going, hi, I was there two years ago. So yes, it, it, it is rather different this, this time, but that's good. So some have trodden the path, and they are able to um, encourage others in the company who might be new to Bravo. Yeah. but it's a wonderful scheme. And to be to to be enabled to travel, come to London, experience, a different way of approaching theatre but also to be in London which is a great theatrical capital in the world um, so that they can go to the National Theatre, get off to Stratford and so on. It's, 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 a, it's a wonderful opportunity for these young people.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about your specialty about stage combat mm-hmm. now what are some sort of tips and tricks or some expectations that the students have of stage combat that actually isn't really about fighting it's about the angle and about how you manipulate your body to make it appear like you're fighting yes
1: well it, 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 it is illusion and actually, I mean we do various different techniques you mentioned the word angle and that's well, that's absolutely right so for example there's a technique called in distance combat That would have been the style of combat that would have been used during Shakespeare's period where you're using a rapier and a dagger for the most part if you're doing civil conflicts like Mercutio, Tybalt, Romeo and so on, even Hamlet and Laertes, I mean, Osric says rapier and a dagger. Uh, So we know those are the weapons and that means by and large you're delivering cuts And so the cut will have to be within range, either cutting to the head or to the shoulder, the leg, or whatever it may be, which means you're within range, and therefore you have to stop short, please, (laughs) because this is illusion. And then the other person defends as if you weren't going to stop short. And so that is called in-distance technique. If you're thrusting, you thrust are past the body and the other person moves their body and deflects to create the illusion. Then the next technique they've also learned is called out of distance technique because when you move to the court of Louis XIV and the Georgian small sword in England later on in the 1700s then the sword, the court sword, was completely blunt, apart from the tip, which was as sharp as a needle, which means you're thrusting towards the body. So, therefore, you cannot be in distance or you get a very big insurance bill. Um, and so what's been good? I mean, And then they did incredibly well. We started with the simple pole techniques called quarterstaff, which is where you have a very convenient two meter length pole, social distance, um, and you're able to learn the techniques of the quarter staff, And by doing that, in fact, what's happened is the right hand on the pole will become the sword. The left hand on the pole will eventually become the dagger. And so we then moved forward to the next technique, which was the uh, rapier and dagger, which we were able to do some of it. We weren't able to do the really close stuff, obviously, because of social distance, but we managed quite a lot. And then they carried on to do the 18th century. So they did that in six days.
0: That's remarkable. I know,
1: (laughs) I know. And on the sixth day, I said, OK, right, now we're going to review it. Show me this, show me this, show me this. And they had to do it without me prompting.
0: That's terrific.
1: And some of the stuff I was doing with them, um, to give you an idea, is the sort of work I do at Lambda, and it takes two years. So they were getting a whistle-stop tour of stage combat, but I think that was good for them because it showed them... Uh, if you like a good overall introduction to the many different styles that are required the obviously the bit we couldn't do in any great detail was unarmed combat which means you are actually making um uh you can be making contact i could show them some of the illusion which is called napping where one person throws a punch and one person is creating a noise, and again, you're looking at angle. Um, So, for example, going back to the in-distance fight, the angles for that could be at a 45-degree line to the audience. When you get onto the out-of-distance, you have to sharpen the angle so that the audience cannot see that the sword has stopped short then when you get into unarmed combat, you have to sharpen the angle even further to make sure that the audience can't see oh, that person's actually just clapped their hands. That's how it was done.
0: It's so- like actor, mathematician, and also athlete all rolled into one because of your reaction time. You yes, have to be absolutely. very, very, yeah. very quick. Um, I learned so much from you today, Rodney, and I thoroughly enjoyed our chat today. Now, for our listeners who'd like to see Three Queens, here's your chance. You can go to the Sai Wan Ho Civic Centre Theatre uh, from the 4th all the way to the 6th of December. Tickets are still available. If you'd like to know more, you can also go to the absolutely fabulous Theatre Connection and their Facebook page is A-F-T-E-C-H-K and you can search them on my Facebook page as well. Meanwhile, thank you so much for your time, Rodney. My pleasure. And that's Rodney Cartier, who's the Head of Drama at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, Lambda. It was a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you very much. Thank you.